0: Hey everybody, welcome to Social Beauty Makers, the podcast where every Wednesday we'll bring you fast-paced, powerful 15 or so minutes episodes meant to inform, educate, and inspire around a variety of topics, including trends in all things tech for the professional salon industry. And today I am going to talk tech. Um, I'm Gordon Miller, your podcast host. And before we get started, a quick reminder that on Sundays, you can find me hosting Beautycast Network's Mastering Beauty Podcast, featuring brilliant guests sharing their best advice on building sustainable, successful, and satisfying careers. Thanks for tuning in. Let's get started. So, I am just back—I mean, literally minutes <laughs> back—from Intercoiffure Canada and America. Um, their fall atelier. It happened here in Chicago. Um, I was so honored and, and grateful to be a guest presenter at that event. And and first, kind of a, a really fast review of the event. It was fantastic. It was it was just. So wonderful to be with such a, a great group of people. Um, and, and, you know, kind of sharing is at the heart of what Intercoiffure has always been. I, I think, as spectacular as the education has been over the years, and I've been going to this event for, for decades, um, really, really great, powerful education. Very business minded in, in so many ways, but also the artistry is always present. Um, but it's the networking, it's, it's just power networking. Um, at its highest level in the industry, for the industry, and uh, just can't say enough good about the opportunity to be with so many s- smart people, inspired people. Um, it, it was a great time. So thanks to Interquafior for having me. Um, I'm going to kind of borrow some of my notes, I guess, from the presentation, kind of a, a short version of a, of a longer presentation. They invited me to speak on the topic of artificial intelligence. I've been doing a lot of that lately. Um, this one is called Shaping Tomorrow's Salon. The Transformative Power of Artificial Intelligence. And I'm just going to grab some of the, I don't know, the, the, my favorite slides, I guess, and reorder this a little bit. And some of these things I've talked about, but but um, first, I've got to say how impressed I was with the audience that so many um, either were actively using it and came and talked about that afterwards. I saw a lot of heads shaking up and down as I was presenting. I talked to a lot of people who weren't using it, who said they were absolutely inspired and whatever fear they had, they were putting aside and were really excited to jump in and try it. And then I talked to some who were kind of around the edges and put their toe in the water who were also inspired. I heard concerns, you know, what does it mean for the larger industry? Uh, Where is it all taking us? But I think against smart conversations, I was uh, very impressed on so many different levels of, of the attitude of, and, and the acceptance of the information. Uh, again, uh, great event, um, and, and I was really pleased with the response to everything that I had to say. So, there's a guy named Andrew Eng, one of the smartest people I would say on the planet. He's the founder and um, uh, lead on what's called the Google Brain Project. Could you imagine? His mother must be like, so proud. My son is the lead and founder of the Google, <laughs> pretty darn big, uh, brain project. <laughs> it's impressive. Um, so anyway, he says artificial intelligence is a new electricity. And I, I kind of brought that up before, but this quote is just great. Just as electricity transformed almost everything 100 years ago. Think about that. I mean, everything. Today, I actually have a hard time thinking of an industry that I don't believe AI will transform in the next several years. And, you know, anybody who listens to me knows that I'm such a supporter of what's happening and I can see this coming into so many industries, but to have somebody that's smart who really studies it, seeing that so clearly um, is actually exciting for me. Um, I put up slide uh, with the word ubiquitous on it and the definition existing or being everywhere at the same time constantly um, encountered or widespread and of course that's what electricity is we don't we don't really think about electricity unless it goes off because it's everywhere like you, you can't even get away from it and so think about when we get to the point where AI is everywhere as I said before it's it's not new it's been with us for quite some time and I would say in the last 10 years you know, it's it's hard to find probably a day in anybody's life where you're not coming across a lot of it. Unknowingly. And beginning with social media. I mean, social media is driven to a large degree by various versions of artificial intelligence. And there are many versions, you know, machine learning, large language models, the generative stuff, you know, on and on. And so, you know, it's, it's not a simple science, but, um, but it's been with us for a bit. And so, as it becomes more and more common, it's going to fundamentally transform how we live. It is, you know, uh, it already has. It's going to change how we work. It's going to change how we connect with one another. Use a phone as as a perfect example. Smartphones today absolutely are taking advantage of AI directly or or indirectly. And back to this idea of, of ubiquity, you know, importantly, all of that taken together is going to change our behavior. And related to our change in behavior, it's going to change our expectations about life, about career about the businesses we want to go engage with. Um, so, again, thinking about big picture AI, there's there's two forms. I think that are most interesting to our industry. One is generative. We hear that word a lot. And that's about forms of AI that are generating new texts. You, know, you ask it a question and it comes up with a couple of paragraphs or, or a book. Um, imagery, like Dolly and Midjourney, it's, it's coming up with something that is supposedly new. And, and I would add, because a lot of people did ask about that, in in casual conversations after the presentation, it's like, well, what about, you know, stealing of photos and stealing of, of ideas and, and books and words? And, you know, what are we going to do about that? It's been going on for my entire lifetime, you know, writing term papers in, in elementary school. You know, you go get a book that somebody else wrote, you take some notes and you do your best as a young person or as a high school student or a college student or grown up somewhere working for a company, getting paid to do something. You take somebody else's work, somebody else's research, somebody else's writing, and you grab bits and pieces of it, and you kind of make it your own the best you can. And unless you copied it word for word, that wasn't considered plagiarizing. That was considered research. Well, that's kind of what AI is doing. It's going out to the larger world. It's pulling all the information it can find about the question being asked, and it's doing it Crazy superhuman speed. It's like, you know, something out of one of those Marvel movies, <laughs> flash of, 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 computer power. And it, it, you know, super, super fast is doing these calculations, trying to figure out how to put the answers together, just like our brains do, and, and then putting it back out to you. But it is taking information that is in existence and it is trying to kind of repurpose that sometimes connection with other information to come out with something that is quote unquote new, but Again, there's not much out there this new. So I don't get overly hung up on that because I think we've been doing that my entire life, but just without... The benefit of technology, the way we know it, on the image side of or Photoshop—that's a whole different conversation. The second type of AI that's really relevant right now is predictive AI, you know, and that is AI that is used in financial forecasting, which we can begin to do even with the AI that's currently available. Um, we can do what's called customer behavior analysis—a little more complicated, but again, there's all kinds of stuff coming our direction, and bigger companies are already doing this, where they are looking at how people behave inside of their businesses, what their booking patterns are, things like that, and then trying to make predictions out of that. Um, demand forecasting, um, for sure in the healthcare space, you know, diagnosis, you know, um, a prognosis of, of a person based on a whole bunch of other factors, and they're, they're you know, expecting this to be really, really powerful stuff. So, this, this is real. This is substantial. Um, and highly valuable and I see so many examples and the people who were at the conference who were using it a lot who were really excited to share with me what they're doing in their businesses with these powerful tools and they're just working for them they're seeing return on their investment of time and not a lot of money in, in most situations free or you know a, a small bit of money each month you know, 20 bucks a month or 40 bucks a month uh, talk to somebody who was using multiple apps and said they were spending 120 bucks a month and we're thrilled to be doing that so really really fascinating a lot more interesting than, you know end of the world stuff all of these things taken together you know, are about efficiency that's what AI is really about It's like how do we use these devices whatever that might be whether it's you know chat whether it's a Roomba you know a Roomba that has AI in it um, and and so we're using a robotic device to clean our homes to, to vacuum when we're not there and fundamentally, what is that too? I mean, vacuuming's not that hard. We don't, don't all love to do it. Um, I actually love my Dyson, so I don't know if I would ever get a Roomba, but um, it's efficient, right? It, it vacuums when we're not there. We get to do other things. And I would connect the dots of that big idea with everything and anything you could think of with AI. If it doesn't create efficiencies, what is the point? You know what is the point, and we the big ideas that we hear about AI. You know, autonomous driving, driverless cars, driverless trucks. You know, all those type of things. Again, in many ways, creating efficiencies. The thing I love about being in Uber, of course, that's not driverless. Um, sometimes they feel like it is because you know we have no communication necessarily with the driver. But I do other things when I'm in the car. You know, I, I'm, I'm reading emails. I'm I'm learning something. I'm Reading, watching—I don't waste that time, and I love that that time becomes productive for me. And sometimes it might be something that's a little bit recreational. You know, I'm I'm reading something that's just fun to read. But again, even that there's an efficiency in being in that Uber. When we get to the point where that Uber can be driverless, it's an efficiency for somebody else, mainly the car company. You know, the the the, whether it's Uber or whatever else who has done some math and has decided to bring some costs down by not having labor there. But we can think back, you know, all these Uber drivers weren't Uber drivers not that many years ago, and so yes, there could be some changes. Those people could not be necessary anymore, and they will find themselves to new opportunities. So pretty almost guaranteed, and not to take lightly the, the the job thing. Because of my age, I've been around through some evolutions of technology. There was kind of this era where Microsoft was blowing up. We didn't quite have Word, we didn't quite have Excel. Some people were maybe using them, but they were new. But there was a moment in time where all of a sudden every job that anybody was ever applying for that was administrative related said, must be Microsoft Word proficient, must be Microsoft Excel proficient. And then all these little educational things uh, popped up so people could start to learn how to do these things. But there was a change in technology that required that humans change to adapt to what was going on. And very interesting is because I grew up, Again, before there was word processing, so there was typing. Well, and there was there were typists. That was a job category: a typist, a person who went to work and typed. And um, when word processing happened, um, it was way more efficient, and a whole lot more could happen because of the computerization, uh, and that replaced typewriters. You know, so the typewriter industry fell apart. But again, so we've been through this wave of where technology has changed. Yes, some people lost their jobs. We probably don't didn't need as many people typing um, once we had word processors. And so yeah, adjustments happen. Now, interestingly, on AI, there's a stat that um, I'll read this here. One third of work activities in about 60% of all occupations could be automated. One third of work activities in about 60% of occupations. So I mean, kind of think hard about what it's saying is that a third of activities in a certain job, they're saying 60% of all, but let's just look at one job. Um, And I'm going to actually pick a hairdresser. Could a third of the work activities in hairdressing be automated? Question mark. I want to kind of do the Jeopardy music, except I don't know how to do it. You know, that kind of waiting song thing. I don't remember what it is, but I, I kind of want to do that. Okay, I've talked way through What while you think about what I just said. When apps came about, what we saw, especially in the independent space, but also in many salons, is that things that were being done by individuals, booking processes and other things, accounting processes, marketing processes, that technology came in and replaced some of the work with, that was being done with new work, some of it totally being done by an app. Some of it being done a little bit by people and more of it done with apps. But technology over time, especially with the the advent of social media and apps over the last 15 plus years, they have resulted in automation within the professional beauty industry and the work that professionals do. And so, that's fascinating because, again, a work function, sometimes there are functions that we should be doing that we're not doing. Like marketing is a great example. Old school, it was like, pass out your business cards, which most people didn't do. It was asked for referrals, which most people, according to the studies I've seen, haven't. Were, were, they were not doing it. And so, things that should be done now could be done by way of automation, and that's a good thing. And in other examples, we'll find that there are things that are being done that are, you know, Time consuming, hopefully automation will help. And that could be AI. So that's interesting because you you can be freed up to do other things. And I'm not sure everybody's on a different place on that. You know, you have to kind of figure out, well, how much time will automation free up and could it mean an extra client during the day? I I think that's really fascinating. Along those, well, not along those lines, but connected to this big idea of this entire conversation on AI, there's a study done by the Pew Research uh, Foundation they study everything in America. This came out in uh, August 30th of 2023. And it says that only 18% of Americans have ever used ChatGPT. And they're one of those reliable, big, old-school research companies that has stayed very current in how they do their research. So, I I take them at their word that that is a solid number. And... Some of my conversations help to validate that because I've talked to so many people in the industry who are fearful, who are angry, you know, who are just having a reaction to this technology. But almost all of them, when I talk to them privately or and try to get like where that's coming from, and I ask them about, well, what they're feeling as they use it, almost everybody's like, oh, I haven't used it. I'm not going to use it. I don't believe in it. You know, um, when I was a kid, you know, I wouldn't eat broccoli. Like, (laughs) yeah. No. <laughs> so, what not even? I love broccoli now. Um, and it took years of my mom being, well, you know, you just got to try it. Just try it. Have an open mind. Try it. Try it different ways. Try it with butter and salt and pepper. What, and try it again. If you didn't love that, what if we put a little lemon on it? That might even make it better. You know, so I love broccoli now. But I had to get to a place, let go of all my fears as a child of broccoli. I think they were fears, actually. It was like, yeah. Um, now I, I love broccoli. So I, I think it's the same with artificial intelligence. You know, you, you have to, you know, be willing to give it a try. And and speaking of giving it a try, you know, I, the when you go to ChatGPT, if you haven't used it, I, I really, really recommend you go to OpenAI. Just sign up, do a free account. It's easy, it's fun. And, and, And do it in a way that's easy and fun. So when you get there, and I highly recommend the app on the phone, I think it's even easier and more fun, but you have to log in completely free. You can just log in using your Google account, or you can use your email and set something up with a password. But when you get to the main screen at the bottom, there's a bar. It looks kind of like Google. You just type in what you want to know. But above it, there's usually four boxes with what they call examples. And you can just go on there and click on one of them. And um, the, um, like I'm looking at one right now and it says, uh, the first example, explain quantum computing in simple terms. That's interesting because most of us would be like, "Yeah, please, somebody explain quantum computing in simple terms to me. Press it, see what happens. Um, Here's another one. Got any creative ideas for a 10-year-old's birthday? Okay. Interesting. Don't have a 10-year-old, but you know, you have... An older friend, you have a dog, whatever, change it up, you know, hit the hit the enter button and see what comes up and, and be amazed is, is what I would also say. You can ask follow-up questions too, but I would also suggest to make it more relevant to work. And I do think it's fun to use it personally to get used to. It's like social media. We did social media personally before we did it professionally. Uh, I, I think time is kind of against us this time out. And I think the sooner we can start using it, the better. And again, it's not for everybody, but I think understanding it is for everybody. So I would suggest you do this once you play with those examples, if you haven't done it, or if you've been playing with it, but you haven't gotten serious yet professionally, I would ask it to do some, something like the following. And I put these three examples in my presentation. ChatGPT, explain the science behind hair color um, and see what comes back to you. See what you think about what's come back to you. And if it says something you think is wrong, question it further. You said X about Y. And I'm not sure if that's correct. Could you tell me more? How did you find that answer? Whatever it might be. Um, A second example. Um, Do you have any creative ideas for an artist-focused hairdresser team retreat? Just see, see what comes up. I, I think you'll be pretty amazed. It comes up with some interesting creative things. And you can say, oh, I didn't like those ideas. Can you give it another go? And and see what it comes up. And this is one of my favorites um, because it gives context to the kind of what is in this thing, which by the way, is pretty much everything that's on the internet up to January 2022 at this point. And uh, and now also has the ability to crawl the internet if you are using the the extensions um, that you can get through ChatGPT4, which by the way is $20 a month, well worth it. I use it every single day. Um, So last example that I would put in as a recommendation for you all is who is Vidal Sassoon and what are his biggest achievements? Just type it in, hit the return button, sit back and see what comes up to you. And I think, you know, that again, just trying to give you a training wheels approach to this, just kind of see how easy it is, how fascinating it is. Um, again, maybe use it personally. Um, you got a meeting coming up, ask it to help you outline a team meeting, all kinds of things you can do. It's, it's, it's fun and I... I think I, I really want to be an evangelist today for people trying it, just getting in there and doing a little bit of it. And if you've done a little bit of it and, you, and you're you're not sold, I'd say go back and do a little bit more. I'm not su- suggesting you need to go do it and do it and do it till you are sold. But I think the more you try things, um, like broccoli <laughs> in different variations, of um, you know, uh, yeah, you might get to to actually love 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 the broccoli. Um, so I'm out of time. I I. Um, I want to come back to kind of predictions next, next time and also some thoughts about, you know, the salon and AI specifically, some that I even heard from attendees at the event. Um, I'm, I know I'm talking about this topic a lot, and I hope each time that I'm adding a little bit of more context, more nuance as my own experiences grow, and, and I hope it, as yours do as well. So, um, yeah, I'm out of time. So I'm going to wrap up and say thank you again. And uh, I want to encourage you, if you like what you heard, to to visit me over at socialbeautymakers.com. Sign up for my free newsletter over there for more content. It's a really, really simplistic newsletter. I put links in it every day, or not every day. I put links in it every week because it's a weekly newsletter. And so I put one out th- this morning. Had some updates about what's happening with AI over on um, on uh, on Facebook, which has just made some really big announcements. Put a link to a a fascinating video at a tech conference called um, Code, one of the better and most important conferences, and run by a journalistic group, um, actually Vox Media, um, started by Kara uh, Swisher, and they interview uh, Linda Yaccarino, who is the um, new CEO of Twitter. It's kind of a train wreck, um, and I hate to you know share a train wreck, but it's such a big topic what's happening at Twitter, and I think with a new big CEO um, in the mix. I think it's important to hear what she has to say. So, so I shared that and I shared some other stuff too. So again, uh, check out socialbeautymakers.com. And um, yeah, remember to listen to me on Sunday over at uh, Mastering Beauty for the Beautycast Network. And yeah, that's it. So uh, thank you very much for tuning in. As always, I, I cannot say how much I appreciate you guys. And uh, if you see me anywhere, please come up and say hi. Lastly, once again, I am Gordon Miller and I cannot wait to share more with you next time.